everyone and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Isabel Oba, Head of People and Culture now at Luantel. Um, Isabel has been working in HR for a very long time, uh, started actually from a journalist and is now very specific in terms of people and culture. Uh, today's core topic actually is a super interesting one. Uh, it's all about culture and feedback. So today Isabel and I will discuss culture in general and why culture is really, really important when trying to develop or trying to improve gender balance in a company. Uh, we then dive deeper into the topic of feedback and why feedback is really, really important when trying to uh, create a really inclusive environment and yeah super exciting I hope you enjoy this conversation. Well thanks for having me first of all um, currently I'm working but well, I'm Isabel let's start with that. <laughs> I'm living in Berlin I'm currently working at a company like a small startup called Löwenanteil before that, I've worked in three different other startups in Berlin as well. So, and I'm on, additionally, I'm also doing my master's right now in the Netherlands. So I'm kind of a bit of a all over the place hybrid situation at the moment, which is a lot of fun, a lot of work as well. But yeah, so yes. that's me right now. <laughs> I love that. And of course, most, I mean, not, not all the time, but like many of us, we kind of fall into recruitment. We kind of fall into HR. Some people go to university and study it. I did not. Um, but Thank I guess, <laughs> so tell me how you got to where you are. Tell us a bit more about your career journey, how you got into the HR world. And yeah, tell us a bit more about that side of things. Same here, as I said. So I didn't study it. I studied international business. We didn't even have one HR course or anything at all on that. Um, so I wasn't ever really planning on that. I was kind of spending some time abroad. I was in, in um, Singapore and Australia and then just kind of went to Berlin for an internship to do an international business. But we were so small in that little startup that it was kind of like, oh, can you maybe do this? And can you maybe do that as well? So everybody kind of did everything still. So while I was also doing international, uh, international business, business development, um, I also started doing interviews and then kind of going on and on doing all kinds of HR stuff. And then when I stayed at the company after the internship in it, I did everything HR. So I did that before, but then I kind of took over it officially. So that was how I got into everything. And then from then, out, then on, I discovered that this is really what I wanted to do. I think in HR, or a lot of people that I meet in HR are kind of like, well, and then I found that this is what I wanted to do. And it's kind of, if you know, you know. And yeah, yeah. that's kind of how it was with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. It's, it's really hard, right? Because I think like most people, I mean, I did philosophy at university, you know, fell into recruitment. But you're right, no one really, you know, grows up thinking okay yeah if you know you know but you find out when you actually try things um but not at the big very beginning stages i'm sure funny enough it's rents in my family so my dad was chief human resource officer so i could have known but i never really thought about it and honestly who actually knows what people in HR are doing unless you're working in HR? So I never really spent too much time thinking, what is he doing all day? It's such a, well, human resources, who knows what that is, right? Yeah. So yeah. And it's so broad as well, right? You know, I think HR is, it It kind of looks at so many different aspects of a company and it's like, okay, you're in HR, which part of HR are you in? How did yeah. you, what, what are you actually doing in that role? Definitely, definitely. And but this is what I like about it so much. It's so diverse and it has all, all kinds of things um, from legal, like legal, obviously, HR, employment law, uh, but also recruitment and employee development and a lot of leadership development and working in leadership uh, completely, you know, feedback 
um, performance, all these kind of different aspects, which I think are very nice. Obviously, some things you like to do more than others, but it's still nice to have all of these kind of different things. Yeah, because I guess it means you're not just stuck in one role for the rest of your career, right? You can move around, try different things, and you're still under the umbrella of HR. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you can kind of focus a little more here, focus a little more there, which is nice. And also, I kind of started in a generalistic role because we were so small. So I didn't start in a recruitment role or I didn't start in a... um I don't know, a uh, people admin role or something. I started doing like generalistic everything in HR and then I kind of grew with the companies instead of going in one direction and then going into more uh, generalistic fields. Yeah, and I think sometimes that is the best way to go about it, right? Try everything and then find what you like. Like you said, when you found you, when you, if you know, you know, when you found it, you really did find it. So yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And then a bit more about your role now. What does your current role entail uh, in the HR field? Kind of, again, everything. Um, So we're very small now. So the company I just came from, we were 80 people, which I know is still small, but considering we're still talking about startups the entire time, it's not very small anymore. Um, So now we're 25 people and growing. So again, relatively small. I'm the first HR person. So right now I'm kind of still getting set on all of the processes and, you know, getting a big overview and prioritizing what's coming next, um, which is nice. And uh, yeah, so I still have all the freedom to do like to kind of build the company on the HR side of things, which is nice. Nice, nice, nice. And of course, I know that when we spoke, uh, I know that in many people, uh, in many kind of HR roles, a lot of what you do focus on is that kind of culture side, DNI, you know, gender balance. I guess, you know, I was really interested to kind of dive a bit deeper into the aspect of culture uh, and why, you know, why culture is important when trying to improve gender balance. Because I think culture is such a broad word, but then when you kind of knuckle it down to DNI and how you really focus on that, you know, why, you know, why is culture important when it comes to DNI? Well, first of all, I think culture is important for ev- like every aspect for any company. And there's no one way to have a good company culture. I do think there are some aspects in my world. There are some aspects that should always be given. For example, good feedback culture or, you know, high psychological safety and everything. So things you should aim at. Um, and in terms of gender balance, I think it kind of goes both ways. So basically, if you want to like a, a good, uh, a great culture will probably improve the gender balance, but also the gender balance will definitely have an impact on a great culture, right? So it kind of goes both ways. Um, because if you have more females and, and especially in a lot of tech companies in Berlin, that's not necessarily the case that you have 50-50 ratios. Yeah. Um, but if you have more female insights and you have a like a, a way better variety and different, you know, attributes and views and opinions and everything, which is like highly beneficial for any company culture, which is great. And what I've also found is that especially female, so now we're talking about the other way around again. So why is the um, the um, uh, having a great culture have an impact on the gender balance? Yeah. So what I found is in my experience that, a lot of especially female candidates usually ask about the company culture. Um, so obviously males do as well, but especially females would always ask me like, can you maybe explain how the culture is? Like, how would you describe it? What do you think? Some actually even ask what is the male to female ratio because they're so used to working in tech companies where it's not equal. And that does obviously affect how the culture is evolving and everything. So that 
having a great culture helps to attract more females because they do look at these aspects and a lot of them actually choose these aspects over the compensation package or anything like these kind of hard facts yeah no really interesting I think I find the same when I find when I it's, I don't want to say just a generalist statement mm-hmm. here, um, but I do find when I speak with female engineers or female uh, you know uh, candidates say culture is a massive massive part of their their kind of search or their kind of key factors they're looking for yes you're right men do factor this in as well uh, but I find that men are okay what's the package like what's the text that they're a lot more like direct in what they're looking for they want a tick list whereas I find that women tend to focus a lot more on the culture why do you think this is why do you think that women appreciate the culture more or look for specific cultures when they're looking for a new role well I do think that on average as always we're always talking about on average women do tend to be a little more reserved a little more timid and I do think that a great culture with open feedback with you know kind of a very supportive culture helps them opening up and they are aware of maybe that helping them advancing in their career you know kind of opening up in these kind of ways um so I think this is something they they're looking for but also generally to kind of feel safer like psychologically speaking yeah yeah no that's really interesting and I guess on that note what do you I mean from your experience as well what sort of culture or what type of culture do you find that women are looking for you mentioned a lot there about feedback and why that's important but in your experience what culture have you find women tend to drift towards hmm well I don't really have sorry tricky question I know I don't really have like one particular name for it but what they do ask for, what they are looking for is something like very open and honest and very kind of where everybody's helping each other, where everybody's really helpful and open and they can go and ask everything to any, everybody and um, where it's very open. So I think mostly like open, communicative, with a good feedback culture, transparent, that's something that's very important for them. I even had people asking me, like, do you have a gender pay gap? You know, these kind of things, like how transparent are you? How good are my chances in advancing here? So I think these are all aspects they're looking for. Yeah. And also a lot of like flexibility is valued high with everyone and increasingly so, and especially in tech companies, but also with females, if they do have a family or plan on having a family, for example, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I guess on that topic of feedback, you uh, we spoke a lot about it previously. <laughs> but honestly, I think it's so important that to kind of open and honest uh, culture, the transparency that you need to have. But that is related to feedback, right? If you don't mm-hmm. have an honest culture, then how do people feel comfortable? How comfortable do people feel giving that feedback? Why do you think it's important in a working culture to really knuckle down on Personally, I think a bi-directional or even multi-directional feedback, so that's important. It doesn't just go one way, right? It's not a one-way street. It's the backbone of a good feedback, a good culture, a good company culture. Um, because having that, like, obviously it needs to be well-intended, you know, well-given, specific, clear feedback, especially so there are some things you should watch out for. But generally, having these kind of feedback structures means that people are able to give their feedback to open up to really be transparent to see that their opinion is valued that their opinion is heard and so many people are so scared of feedback it's crazy I've seen so many people who are super crazy like really scared 
um, which is a lot due to their history of, you know, having received feedback from previous companies. Um, and I think that's really sad because if you do it well, it's such a chance, right? If you don't give feedback for both ways, that goes for the individual and also for the company, I personally think there's no way you can develop you to your full potential. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it's hard because some people see feedback as a bit of like an attack or um, they're not too sure how to take it, right? But I guess, you know, being mature about it and actually understanding, okay, this is going to help me improve, that that's super important. Yeah, I mean, feedback is a skill and that means, I think that goes for both, for giving and also for receiving feedback because receiving feedback is not very easy and people do get offended very easily, especially if they're very like perfectionists And then, you know, that makes it really tricky. So receiving feedback and knowing you don't have to take everything by heart, at heart, too hard. <laughs> um, so you can just listen to it, take it, and then kind of think about what, what you want to take with you and kind of work on and what things you maybe disagree. Because people, not all people know you equally well. You don't need to take everything as an offense because usually also people don't say things against you, but for them, that kind of goes for all kinds of things. So what are they thinking? That doesn't necessarily have to do something with you. Sometimes it does, of course. Um, but anyway, so it is a skill in both ways. And I think it should be trained. Like, I think it's a responsibility for a company that the skill should be trained in both ways and that you should really focus on this. 100%. I mean, when I actually first became a team leader at Impala, the one of the things which I was looking at was, you know, how do you don't know how to become the best manager, but just looking into the skill set that you need. And feedback was one of the things which I kept reading about, uh, not only taking feedback, but like you said, but being able to deliver feedback, you know, <laughs> called it like a sandwich. So being able to sandwich in, a, in the feedback between two good points, uh, you know, just various ways that you can deliver it so that it is received in the best way possible. Because, you know, sometimes that is the case where you kind of, you're quite, you know, emotional, you say it how it is, and and then you don't get the response you're looking for, which is why sometimes people do step back and they get a bit defensive when you give feedback. I think you, you just mentioned a very, very important point, that timing is so relevant. If you have, like, there's also obviously different types of feedbacks, right? So there are surveys, which is a form of feedback, which you can see, do you want to make it anonymous or maybe not? There are one-on-one -on -one feedbacks, there's peer feedbacks, there's feedbacks between the leader and their employee. And all these kind of feedbacks are vastly different and how is the setting and also how is the company culture and how you know are the processes around it but i do think for example um phrasing things positively being well intended when giving feedback because you always should have the intention that you're helping the other person right yeah. um these kind of things but also yes looking at the timing can the other person take the feedback at the moment is that a good time for them to actually receive the feedback because at the end of the day the whole point of giving feedback is that the point comes across and that the point comes across in a way that the other person can take it and doesn't get offended and that it doesn't harm the relationship you're having right so that's why timing is so essential and people are so different for example i'm a person if there's a heated emotional argument I don't want to have feedback or any sort of talk right away. I'm more like, 
let it all cool off. Let's, you know, take a minute to breathe, maybe to sleep on it, depending on what we're talking about, do it tomorrow. But there's also plenty of people who need to have it kind of settled right here, right now, because otherwise they cannot go to sleep. So this is also interesting and so important to keep in mind. And I think, and I, I might kind of go, <laughs> go kind of... Um, couple of questions in advance in case that still comes up. But um, what you can, for example, do with your team is a feedback manual. So kind of see, so the, like literally have a form, print it out, give it to your team. How do you want to receive feedback? How do you usually give feedback? What's usually a good time to receive feedback for you, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a nice tool to really know your team in these regards. Yeah, you're so right, because everyone's so different. And, you know, like you said, you're the type that likes to kind of sleep on it, you know, think about it. And then, I, you know, I, I wish I was like that. And then kind of put it <laughs> in the, the best way possible so that yeah. it is well. I think I'm the opposite. I like to settle it, not settle it. That's, that's probably not the right word. Uh, but I like to kind of sort it out there and then, because in my head, it gets bigger and bigger and, and, and worse as the time goes on. But you're so right. It's knowing who you're speaking with. It's knowing how it's going to be received and ultimately then increasing your chance of it being received well. Definitely, definitely. And then imagine you and I having an argument or some sort of situation that needs to be, you know, talked about. We need to find a common ground, right? It cannot always go my way. It cannot always go your way. We need to find a way where our relationship stays good. Yeah. But also we can talk about this because it cannot just stay there. So we need to feedback on it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know you mentioned when we when we spoke previously, you mentioned that women are fairly timid with feedback and often they, they do struggle with feedback, not struggle with feedback, but they struggle with questions like, you know, what did you do well? What are you proud of? Um, why do you think this is? Because I, I found the same, but it's interesting to kind of see that it's not just my opinion and my thoughts in it and everyone kind of sees the same thing. Why do you think this is? Well, I do think, and I mean, that's kind of like very stereotypical now, but I do think a lot of it goes back to childhood and young girls are being told to not be too loud, not be too much, not be this, not be that. And young boys, by the way, are also told some things that are not great and that, you know, are harmful when growing up, but usually different things. So especially for women, these kind of are in the back of their heads a lot. Um, and childhood beliefs are very strong and a lot of times you're not even aware of them. So it's super difficult to change them. But I think this is a lot of where this comes from. So don't be too loud. Don't be too confident, you know, just kind of be quiet and kind of be content with what you're having and what you're getting, which is a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do think that these kind of questions, so you just mentioned them. So I first in the in the feedback form, I had the question, what did you do well? And everyone struggled, particularly women, but everyone struggled. So I added the question, what are you proud of? Which apparently is a lot easier to answer. That helped already a lot. Nonetheless, particularly women were kind of struggling with answering this. They were usually go either skipping it right away, like just moving on, or they were kind of going like, well, you know, you should know this, right, to their leader, like their team lead, um, or just kind of like, well, I didn't really know what to put there. And um, should we just kind of, you know, kind of move on here? So that is crazy to see. And I do think it has a lot to do with just practicing. So usually I'm in the first round of feedbacks, and I would 
not let them get away with it. I would usually sit there and be like, no, so what are you proud of? Like, just tell me and then kind of helping them, kind of get, asking follow-up questions. And that helped. And then they kind of got to see, oh, you know, that's not so hard and it's actually nice. And yeah, but it's it's practice and it's hard. It's so difficult. We're all raised in a, you know, don't don't say, like, don't be that overly confident telling everybody like I'm the best one in here sort of thing which is not the same thing than answering this question but it's kind of in the back of our heads right yeah yeah and I don't know if you found the same but you know I, I find that women tend to say we a lot like we did this in the team um we did this and we achieved that and and that's great and they tend not to kind of like you said they tend not to kind of take ownership on what they did not ownership maybe that's the right word but they never like to say well I did it and my results or, or my work led to this it's yeah yeah we collectively achieved it together Yeah, they don't take the credit for sure. I also got this a lot. But I think that's the responsibility of the team lead in that case to really, you know, kind of be okay with the silence and ask follow-up questions and make sure that they know what they did and make sure that they are able to phrase and tell you what they did. Because at the end of the day, that kind of is the cycle of then it comes to pay raises or promotions. And then they need to be able to say what they did. And this is also their responsibility. Obviously, the company doesn't need to tell them what they did well in order to convince the company to do, a, you know, give them a pay raise or something. I do think it's the responsibility of a leader to get them there, to help them, to to push their Uh, confidence yeah I agree I agree and I guess on that note on the topic of building that feedback culture building a culture whereby feedback is received well it's given well and it is you know it's all, all good so to speak I guess just just looking at the why because I think a lot of the time we look at the results but we tend not to we tend to forget why we're doing this why do you think feedback is important when trying to foster an, an inclusive you know working environment when especially when it comes to DNI? well I think it's As I said, feedback always goes both ways. So yeah. I think in that case, for example, in, as a first step, especially getting the feedback from within the company, when one-on-one -on -one feedbacks or also anonymous surveys, I think are great for that. Um, if you don't get the feedback, you don't know what's going on in your company. Yeah. And as a company, you can start a ton of different initiatives, right? But at the end of the day, do you know if they're doing what they're supposed to do? You need to have some sort of measuring it. And I think having surveys, having feedback, going where you're trying to achieve a difference, this is key. Otherwise, you have no idea what you're doing, basically. You're just doing random things and kind of hoping they're working. And you do that in all different areas of the company, right? You do that in sales. You do that in marketing. You obviously see where you're spending the money and where it's going and what it's doing and where you're getting the, you know, that's also feedback at the end of the day, feedback that's coming from the market. So you need to do the same with your people and with your culture and what are you even doing? And then as a second step, also obviously the other way around. So once you receive this and you see there might be, you know, some actions that need to be taken, then you can give feedback back. You can give feedback on the feedback that you received it and um, feedback on action can be that you will actually change something or you can talk to individual people where you see, you know, kind of you know, there needs to be some feedback given because maybe it's not going so well. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And I guess on the topic of delivering feedback, 
Um, I think this is key, right? You have to start from somewhere. I agree with what you said in terms of how do you know what you need to do better if you don't actually get the feedback. Okay, so now we've got what we need to do better. Um, what have you found, especially, I, I'm really keen to know a bit more about that feedback manual you discussed earlier. On the topic of delivering feedback, it, it's not all, like, it's so much, right? It's how you speak, your body language, all of that. What's the best way have you found in your in your role or in your, you know, previous roles to deliver that feedback? Or how do you help people to deliver feedback that are struggling? I, I do think it's, to some degree, very individual to you know the the different people and how they need to receive feedback and how they need to give feedback so i think for example what i mentioned earlier feedback manual could be something nice but other things so for example what i'm doing is i'm usually present in the first actual feedback after three months and also on the in the feedback after six months so the four or five and a half something month um the probation period feedback so what I'm doing there next to just, you know, kind of being present and being there for questions and everything, I'm also get, giving feedback afterwards to the person giving feedback. So um, this I found is very helpful because I can be very specific. I was just there, you know, like right after I can give them feedback on. So this happened and this phrasing and um there, for example, don't ever do comparisons to different employees. Like you cannot say, um, so you did this very well, you know, um, way better than that other person when they started, or you were way faster. You don't believe, like now it sounds so absurd, but then you don't believe how many times this happens. Comparisons are like one of the major things and one of the most often things that um, I give feedback on. Um, but also what I, a couple of things I think are very useful is allow time and as much time as possible. So I usually have the feedback um, session scheduled for like an hour and a half. Oftentimes that's not necessary, but then that's fine. I think everybody's happy about some free time to do other work and, you know, not have a different meeting in their calendar. But if you do need the time, you have the time. So allow for the time. Don't ever rush feedback sessions. I think that's one of the most important things for me. Like, allow there enough time because sometimes you start and everything goes according to schedule and then all of a sudden like a major thing comes up and then you you will need the time trust me also what i personally really always say is the best way to do it is as the person giving feedback like the the leader the team lead to start which apparently is relatively unusual which is a lot of times i get the feedback on but I think what a lot of people underestimate is that the person receiving feedback is tense. Yeah. Even though they might seem all, you know, kind of loose and happy and everything, there is tension because you don't know what's coming. And at the end of the day, there is a hierarchy. That's just the case. And receiving feedback, there's always some tension. It's never easy. For some people, easier than others, but don't underestimate that. So if you have already started giving the feedback, you're done with giving your feedback, they can breathe. And yeah. then you focus on their feedback. And trust me, there's a the, the atmosphere is a lot better. They're they're a lot like they're they're relieved. You can sometimes even see it. So I think this is something that's very nice. Um I also like to phrase feedback in likes and wishes rather than, for example, good or bad or um good and points of improvement, because that always indicate that something wrong. Also, yeah. points of improvement indicate that something wrong. And a wish can be anything from taking more time for, I don't know what, like, you know, you can also do start, stop, continue, for example, which is also not phrased in a, there's currently something wrong way, even though that can be the case. 
but the phrasing is differently and it's a lot easier for the other person to listen to you and to really let it sink in and to take on that feedback. So this is a nice thing I think you can do. So there are a lot of things you can generally do to, to you know, really help with these kind of things. Being okay with silence, really giving room, providing room, asking follow-up questions. So I have this whole feedback form, which I think helps. At the beginning, I didn't have it so comprehensive. And then I found that people struggled because they didn't really have specific things to talk about or specific things to give feedback on. So I think that helps. But using it as a guideline, allowing time to, you know, kind of let the conversation go here or there. So yeah, these are things. <laughs> no, I was really, so I, I, I was really taking that all in because the second point you made about the team lead or the, the lead going first is something that I didn't really think about. But now I'm thinking about it, I'm actually realizing that actually by you going first or by the manager, say, going first, you actually set the tone for how transparent and how open you want that person to be, right? So that then means if you say, you know, not you put it all on the table, but if you're really <laughs> open, you're really transparent, that then creates a really safe environment for them exactly. to do the exact same. Yes. And that must be key. Exactly, exactly. And I got a lot of time resistance of managers at first where like, why would I go first? Like, why? Like, I'm usually going second, let them go first. But I'm always like, why wouldn't you go first? Like, what's a good reason, like a really valid good reason that you're not going first and leveraging the safety later on? Because your feedback shouldn't change based on what the other person says, right? You have your feedback. You will jump on the conversation, of course, you will answer, you will go in a conversation, but your initial feedback shouldn't change. So for me, there's really not, nobody so far has given me a good reason um, that this wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah, no, honestly, and, and you're so right, because I always think when I'm in situations like that, the first thing you say, like, how do you think it's going? And the person who's giving you feedback first, or that the, say, the, the, not the lead, say, um, I always find they not they don't go into as much detail in the very first question you ask them, right? That you get very surface level feedback on how you think it's going. Then you have to dive a bit deeper into it. You have to keep you know, nudging almost. So by you going first, you kind of, I guess, like I said, set the tone for how how direct you want this person to be. Otherwise, you're not really going to, it's not useful if they don't give all the information they have or all the feedback. Exactly, exactly, it's exactly. And then, I mean, they so the way I usually do it is that everybody gets that feedback form before, and then um, especially the employer should fill it out up front, and that it's ready. Because I think one of the very worst things you can do is filling it out while you speak. You cannot focus on the on the conversation. Maybe some people can, most people cannot. You cannot really have the full focus on, and you should. No other meetings, no phone calls, turn the phone off, maybe at least have it on silent, really full focus on that conversation. However, on the other side, it might sound a little weird and kind of in a disbalance at first, but I usually tell the team leads to not have it filled out in the form before. And the reason I tell that is that in my experience, if they have like just certain points, especially on the wishes, that the employee sees it and they don't know the full story because you obviously don't have the conversation. And days before they worry and they're like, oh God, I'm not sure what is happening. I don't know. What have I done? What does he mean with this? Oh, oh, you know, and they're going in the conversation so worried. 
which is not necessary at all because a lot of times it's just bullet points and they get you know there's so much sense behind them when once you talk about it so that's that reason yeah i always like don't you know don't make them uncomfortable up front just have your notes and then put it in afterwards so we have the form complete but don't put it in up front yeah. And I think, you know, what's really important here is this all starts in the in the hiring process, right? All of this, you know, starts when you actually get to know that person, um, when you're actually understanding their previous experience, how this will kind of, you know, I guess, correlate in your, I guess, looking at it now, I actually see the importance of having that open culture in the hiring process itself. You mentioned you've done that in your current company, in the previous companies you've worked at. And you mentioned the importance of having, you know, the people and culture department in the tech hiring process. Uh, and then being present in the hiring process, onboarding uh, process as well. Because, yeah, I guess you set the tone for how feedback should be given very, very early on from that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So first of all, I think culture and all these kind of things start in the hiring process in terms of ask the right questions, obviously, and really look for culture fit slash culture ed. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to get an idea of what they are looking for. Because it should be a match on both sides. There's usually not a right or wrong, but just ask them how, you know, like what kind of culture are you looking for? What's important for you? What do you value in a good company culture? Um, what do you think about like leadership? How do you want to be led? Or if it's a team lead or something, how do you like to lead your team, et cetera? Because that all gives you good indications on that. Usually feedback usually comes up, by the way, in both of these, um, both sides. Um, so I think that's obviously very important and being very transparent, having a team fit, um, not an interview, but kind of like a get to know the team. So we have all of that kind of um, covered in the beginning already. And you can never be 100% sure, but you can be a lot more certain if you cover all of that in the beginning, right? Um, and yes, and obviously being present in the onboarding for HR, for example. So me or somebody in my team was always present on the first day and being like very um, welcoming, showing them around, giving them time, having a comprehensive HR onboarding to have really have the connection and everything. And in the recruitment process, by the way, the way we did it is that we have one um, recruiter doing the entire process. So doing the entire candidate journey from beginning to end and also writing all of the emails being always there and the person to talk to which already builds a lot of trust which yeah. could see later on a lot so if there ever was a problem with somebody in the company they would usually go to that person in my team who recruited them or to me um, but that was very interesting to see um, and yes and then coming back to feedback again so I usually did a check-in after the first week and then I did a check-in after the first month. So they got to know me because I was usually not necessarily present in the recruiting or onboarding process. Sometimes yes, but sometimes also not. Um, so they have sort of a connection to me already because then, as I mentioned earlier, I'll yeah. be present in the first actual feedback after three months and the probation period feedback. So they already have like this trust with me and the connection to me and they, they know I'm not... HR being there, oh God, what's going on? But kind of like, oh, Isa is there. That's nice. You know, like I know her, I trust her, and I know that, you know, I can ask her anything, which is a huge game changer, I think. 
Yeah. And I think trust is key. I think trust is super important when it comes to feedback as well, because you have to trust that that person is going to, I guess, take the feedback. But you also have to trust that when that person is giving feedback to you, that it's coming from a really good place. It's not coming from a malicious or, you know, out to, to kind of get this person. And you're right, that comes on building that relationship over time. Trust isn't just happening overnight. And if, if that person has been looked after from the entire recruiting process, you're right, they're more likely to go and share feedback to that person because they trust that person as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Interesting. And I guess one thing I really, really wanted to kind of look into uh, or actually ask about, because I'm sure that in your time, there has been maybe some leaders in the team that haven't been able to give feedback in the best way possible, or they wasn't good at receiving feedback, say. Um, How have you found it when it comes to leadership coaching and feedback? Have you found there to be cases where, like I said, people can't give feedback or leaders can't take feedback? How has that been for you when actually having to say to, say, the leaders in the team or the CTO, whoever it is, this is not working. We need to kind of sit down and talk about it. Well, all of the time. I think I think feedback is just such a underrated skill that people don't, you know, I'm really aware of how important it is and then they don't really think about it. So yeah, that did happen a lot. Um, and then what I usually do is, as I said, when I'm present, then I will give them feedback later on and, you know, go really into depth. Why am I saying that? Not only do it like that, do it like that. That doesn't, help anyone i mean maybe a little bit but it doesn't really go into you know like really deeply deep understanding um but why do you do why am i saying that what does it do with you and maybe you know when i'm giving them feedback i kind of try to then phrase it one way and then phrase it the other way and it's kind of like well how do you feel if i do it like this and how do you feel if i if i do it like that so that's that's good but what i did find that is so far Everybody was very happy on receiving feedback on it if I do it well. So the way to do it is obviously key, but I didn't find much resistance so far because I do think people acknowledge how important it is once you really let them know and show them and talk to them about it. Like, what are your experiences with feedback? You know, like, do you, don't you think it's super important? And da, 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 da. And that's, that helped a lot. And I guess that links a lot to knowing the person, you know, for example, if you're working with, say, you know, a a difficult person, you'll probably look at how you're going to deliver that feedback in the way that it could be received well to them. And I think it's about, I guess, being quite adaptable and being quite, you know, open to change the way you have to deliver feedback to that specific person, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I find it always helps to talk to them about what do we want to achieve with that feedback and how did you think that came across and do you think that person you just gave feedback to knows what he or she should change or do you think they feel comfortable enough to do it and do you think how what do you think this feedback did to your relationship um and being like putting the like shifting the focus in that direction usually helps because that's kind of like let's just focus on the outcome what do we want to achieve and it doesn't really matter so much if you don't want to give feedback that way, let's say, at the end of the way, at the end of the day, as I said earlier, the point of being feedback of giving feedback is that a certain point comes across, right? So yeah. it needs to come across. The other person needs to be able to take it. So there's really no point in just doing it the way you want it done and you want to do it. If the other person doesn't take it, doesn't change, you won't get anything out of it, right? So that usually helps. Yeah, totally. And I guess looking into the approach of how you give feedback, um, have you found it to be different when delivering feedback to women? 
um, versus men. Have you found there to be, I hate to say, but different ways you have to kind of communicate your body language, especially I find for, say, male leaders having to deliver feedback to, say, female engineers or female, you know, employees. How have you found the approach to be different in these cases? Well, I mean, a lot of it is similar or is the same. Um, but I do think you maybe need to be more, well, I don't want to say more calm, but like kind of more being prepared to ask follow-up questions, being prepared to really go like, well, can, do you see where I'm coming from with this? You know, yeah. kind of giving the room to let it sink in, giving the room to really um, let them ask questions back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that might be something because I don't want to say being more sensitive when giving feedback. I don't think so. I think you can be as direct as clear and you should be very clear. There's no point in giving feedback and having the other person go out and not knowing what the point is you want to, you yeah. know, want to come across. Um, but still, you know, kind of maybe being a little more calm and giving more room. But besides that, it really depends on the person, right? Also, like, one woman's different than another woman and one man's different from another man. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think there's kind of a one-size-fits-all, but I do yeah. agree. I think it really depends on... I guess what I have found, especially in, 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 in my role, say, is you really have to just dig deep into it. I find that women tend... Well, yeah. But they tend not to open up the very first question you ask them. So it takes a bit of time. It takes a bit of patience because I think they have to, I guess, acknowledge that the person they're speaking with is going to trust or is going to see where they're coming from. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Well, no, I guess now that comes to the end. Thank you so, so much. I'm really, really happy we're able to dive a bit deeper into the topic because I think feedback is really important uh, in all aspects of companies and in all aspects of culture. But I do think, especially when, you know, trying to attract diverse talent, you have to look at ways you can really make people feel comfortable, make people feel safe. And that just comes, comes back to actually having that open feedback culture. So yeah, thanks so much for kind of diving deeper into that topic. Thanks for having me. That was very nice.